Hello and welcome to the Machinery Safety Matters podcast with your host Barry Shepherd. This week I want to talk to you about the 10 essential features of a declaration of conformity. When you're looking to purchase a machine and you're doing your due diligence, one of the most important documents you will look over is a declaration of conformity. In this podcast, I'm going to cover the 10 essential characteristics that need to be present on the Declaration of Conformity before you should accept it if you are buying it or putting it into service if you are the manufacturer. With the right kind of knowledge of what is needed, you'll be able to gain or provide confidence in the products you are either buying or putting into service. Once you know what to look for, it's really easy to spot something that might give you problems further down the line. And once you know what to provide and include, it will provide you with a good starting point to prove compliance for your machine you are manufacturing or selling. So first of all, what is a declaration of conformity? Essentially, it's a document that informs the user what information the manufacturer has relied upon to demonstrate compliance. The very nature of this document suggests that the machine is complete and final. The contents of these documents are very important and easy to check. Doing this correctly could save you an awful lot of problems further down the line and is a great way to understand what you are getting or providing. When a manufacturer places a complete machine on the market for sale or puts it into service, it must meet certain requirements. As a receiver of the equipment, it's essential that you are diligent in your choice of machinery. If you get this wrong, you could end up with something that is not as safe and compliant as you first thought. And this could end up putting you and your business at risk of injury and or claims against you. So how the manufacturer does this is that they will carry out the necessary work and they will produce the documentation to support that the machine is compliant to the relevant directives and or regulations. It's this document where that information is held. If you're buying and providing the machine for your workers and you have a declaration of conformity that is incomplete, then you will not have adequately met Regulation 10, the requirements of Bureau. This is a joint responsibility and expecting the manufacturer to be wholly liable is not an acceptable defence. If, as a manufacturer of the equipment, you provide an incomplete or an inaccurate declaration of conformity, then you will not have fulfilled Article 5 of the Machinery Directive and not met the legal requirements of placing the machinery onto the market. There are 10 things you need to look for as a buyer or provide as a manufacturer. So the first thing that needs to be on the declaration of conformity is the business name of the manufacturer and where they are based, including their full address. Or it could be their authorised representative if the manufacturer is based outside the region it is being put into service. So what you are checking for here is whether the business is based outside of the EU or UK or relevant region that it is being made. You need to know who to contact and where they are based in case you need any further information as a user. Also, the national authorities will need to have a reliable address should there be any need to obtain any further information pending an investigation. You can check the address online and some programs will allow you to do a street view so you can actually see the premises. 
Also, check Companies House to see if they are still in business and look for anything that might suggest that they are in liquidation, especially if the piece of machinery is lower than would be expected. It could save you an awful lot of trouble later on. As a manufacturer, you may want your customers to know where you are based so that you can make some more sales. It's also a legal requirement, so more importantly, it has to be there for that reason primarily. The second thing that needs to be on there is the name and address of the person who put the technical file together. This can be the person or role within the business or even the name of the business itself. It's always worth knowing who put the information together and they will have a better chance of knowing where it is located within the business, what the contents are and how to find it. This person does not have to be the one who designed the machine. They can have a role that is similar to a, a document controller or an admin based type role. But at the same time, this role can be the same person who signs the Declaration of Conformity. This can be the same person as the authorised representative if the manufacturer is outside the EU or your specific region. It is also worth noting that should the relevant authorities make a request for the TCF, you will need to be able to find it at a reasonable amount of time, which will amount to days rather than weeks or months. So you won't have time to start putting the TCF together before they are expecting to receive a copy of it. The third thing that needs to be on there is a description or identification of the machinery so that it corresponds with what the documentation shows. The document must be able to be positively tied to the machine without there being any ambiguity. A serial number will further confirm that you have a match between the Declaration of Conformity documents and of the machine. It's much easier to confirm if it's a one-off type product. If the machine is a, is a series type machine where you have multiple copies of the same product, then the DOC must specify a range or serial numbers that relates to a product batch or a code. But what you can't have is an open-ended declaration of conformity that covers an unlimited or uncontrolled number of the same type of products and neither can it be missing altogether. This will keep control of counterfeit products entering the market. So the manufacturer may be able to track where each one was sold. If they are related to a duplicate number, then we'll know that there are copies of their products in circulation and they will be able to take the appropriate action against the distributor or user of that machinery. Both the machine and the DOC must match and it's a joint responsibility between the manufacturer and the receiver of the machine to ensure that this document matches. The relevant authorities may be checking this as part of an investigation and if it does not match then you will have fallen foul of Regulation 10 of PURE and Article 5 of the Machinery Directive. This minor detail is sometimes dismissed as not important but it has far more power if managed correctly. The fourth thing that must be on there is that the declaration must have a sentence that expressly states that the machine meets all of the provisions of the directive. It must also state which other directives the machine complies to. So this document isn't just for the machinery directive, but also for other directives too. You may see references to the following directives for construction products. It could have radio, telecommunications, noise emissions and EMC to list a few, providing the format of the declaration can allow this. 
You may have to provide or receive a separate declaration if this is not possible. National directives are not to be included. So for example, 2006-104-EC is for the pure regulations and this is managed by the HSE in Great Britain. So that wouldn't be included on the Declaration of Conformity. So this sentence that explicitly claims that the manufacturer meets all of the relevant essential health and safety requirements and that they have carried out the appropriate assessment procedure. This is a statement that cannot be taken lightly and it is very important from both the manufacturer and also the user of the machinery. It gives confidence that the manufacturer knows what they are doing and it shows a commitment to make a clear and bold declaration to ensure it meets the relevant directives. The fifth thing that must be on there is when the machine is listed in Annex 4 and followed the EC type examination procedure, there is a requirement to indicate who the notified body was, the address of where they are located along with their unique four digit number. This would ensure that the manufacturer has followed the correct process and had it checked by an external body. Always check to see if the machine you are buying or supplying is on the list and take the appropriate action. If, as a buyer, you check and see it is on the Annex 4 list and there is no indication of a notified body, then you should at least question the manufacturer as to why it's not there. If, as a manufacturer, you see your machine is on the list, then you need to make the business aware that there is further work required before you can place it on the market or put it into use. This will involve a notified body to check over your process and or of your machine. The sixth thing that must be on there, when the machine was subject to a full quality assurance, the details of the notified body must also be shown here, the name, address and four digit number. In both this point and the last one, you can check the notified body details by looking on the NANDO database for CE marking as listed on the European Commission database. These are easy checks to make and is another way to ensure authenticity of what you have. The seventh thing that must be on the Declaration of Conformity is that it must state which of the standards that have been used to presume conformity to the directive and or regulations. This will give you a clear indication of the effort the manufacturer has taken to ensure that your machine or installation meets and complies to the relevant directives or regulations. The standards on the list should have a prefix which indicates the region it is relevant in. For example, in the United Kingdom it would be BS, in Germany it would be DE, in Spain it would be ES, etc. It should state EN to denote it is a Euro norm and recognised in Europe. It should have a number and if applicable a part number followed by a date. This is very important to check that the number and also the year are current. This is another easy check to make and if you look up the harmonised standards for CE marking, if any of the standards are out of date or if they have been superseded, then this might show a design that is not quite as state of the art as it should be and you might need to go back to the manufacturer to check the machine complies with the latest standard. As a manufacturer, it is essential that you keep up to date with the latest standards 
and check for any developments, guidance or better way of doing things. Standards are always changing with technology and you must keep up to date, especially if you are making serious manufactured machinery. You may have bought a machine and noticed that a standard that you're expected to see is not on there. This does not mean it's unsafe or non-compliant. They simply may choose not to list it and concentrate on the most important ones that have the greatest impact on the design of the machine. It's not expected to list composition of steel, slip resistance, unless it's a major factor of component or of the machine design. This is not to say that it should be ignored. It's just not included for documentation simplicity. I'd always expect to see an A type on there, a C type if appropriate, and a collection of B types. Remember, it's compliance to the essential health and safety requirements on the directive that is the most important and not the standards. The eighth thing is that the declaration of conformity is not exclusive to the harmonised standards list. It is okay to list any standard that has been used to design and construct the machinery, provided it is in date. It may surprise some of you to learn that using them and applying them is voluntary and not mandatory. They do not have to use the standards. It just makes life an awful lot easier for the manufacturer if they do. However, then if they do choose to use an alternative standard, then this must be no less stringent than the ones listed in the official journal of the European Union. To make sure that the latest standards have been referenced, you can get a copy of the official journal where it lists all the standards by title and by date. The ninth thing that must be on the declaration is it must have a date and a place that it was drawn up. This is a customary requirement and because this process is dependent on location, it becomes ever more important. Things to look and check for is that the date cannot be in the future. It is not allowed to post-date a declaration. The date must be prior to putting it into service and even if it is for your own use, if the date is in the future, then you must reject it and ask for a new one. Remember, the manufacturer is obligated to keep the TCF for 10 years after the last produced machine. If the location is outside of the zone it is intended for, then it becomes invalid. For example, if it's outside the EU for CE. Now the tenth thing, last but certainly not least, if all of the above is present and correct, without a signature of the person who has the power and authority, then it doesn't really amount to much more than a piece of paper at best and a PDF at worst. It is also worth nothing and this must be signed by a person at a level of managing director or a person who has been delegated with this responsibility. If the managing director won't sign the declaration of conformity, then it doesn't send out a very strong message about the amount of confidence in their products from the top. As a manufacturer, you should take this document very seriously that it is legally binding, and if you haven't followed this process of compliance, then you could end up signing for something that is not what you thought or expected it to be. Whether you are a manufacturer or a purchaser of the machine, the declaration of conformity is extremely important and needs to be created and read very carefully. So here's a quick summary of the 10 essential features of a declaration of conformity. Number one, 
the business name, check online to make sure that the address is real and that they are still in business. Number two, the name and address of the person who put the technical file together. Number three, a description of the machine so you know what the document is there to support. Number four, a sentence that expressly states that the machine meets all of the provisions of the directive. Number five, when the machine is listed in Annex 4 and followed the EC type examination procedure, there is a requirement to indicate who the notified body was. Number six, when the machine is subject to a full quality assurance, the details of the notified body must also be shown. The name, address, a four-digit number. Number seven, the declaration of conformity must also state which of the standards that have been used to presume conformity to the directive or regulations. Number eight, the declaration of conformity is not exclusive to harmonised or designated standards list. Number nine, the declaration must also have a date and place that it was drawn up. And number 10, last but certainly not least, all of the above can be present and correct, but without a signature of the person who has the power and authority, that doesn't really amount to much more than a piece of paper at best and a PDF at worst. Thanks for listening to me. And if you know of anyone who would benefit from what I have just discussed, then please do share it. Also, if you have anything you would like to hear me discuss in an upcoming podcast, drop me a line in the usual social media channels. Also, check the show notes for important resources and links. If you liked it, then please hit that subscribe button. This helps make the show grow to reach more and get more people talking about machinery safety. So when machinery safety matters, remember the Machinery Safety Matters podcast. Until next time, bye for now.